This is Wendy Parrish, and you're listening to Messages from the Middle. Episode number 19, Watch Your Head, my interview with Bethany Lewis, the concussion coach. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello, and welcome to the episode. I'm so excited you're here today because we've got a really great episode in store. Today, I am interviewing my friend, Bethany Lewis, who I have known for about two years. Bethany is a neurological occupational therapist, which is so cool, and a certified life coach through the Life Coach School. She has specific training in nervous system resilience. She has worked as an occupational therapist since 2009 and has helped hundreds of patients with concussions and other brain injuries through her work at Cognitive FX a cutting-edge concussion clinic in Provo, Utah. During her career, she has seen the effects head injuries can have on people's lives and the lives of those who love them, and has seen people experience healing and recovery from many severe symptoms. She provides tools such as nervous system regulation techniques and intentional thinking that can have enormous impact on recovery and people's well-being. She combines her knowledge of post-concussion symptoms and coaching into a unique, and powerful coaching program to help her people with lingering concussion symptoms speed up their recovery and take control of their lives. I have wanted to interview Bethany before I even started this podcast because I knew that she worked with concussions and I have seen firsthand the effect that concussions have on mental health because they actually can cause anxiety and dysregulation and also when you have an illness and especially an invisible illness it affects your everyday life in a way that's really hard to describe and other people don't understand why. And when things affect your everyday life, that affects your mental health. I hope you get a lot of value and information from this podcast. I also want to let you know that Bethany also has a podcast called The Concussion Coach. Check it out. She has some really great interviews on her podcast as well. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, and I am with my guest. This is Bethany Lewis. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good. It's so good to see you. Um, so Bethany, I met her at Be Bold Masters. That was 2021, wasn't it? It was. It's in the crazy. fall. It's almost two years, exactly. Almost two years. And she was in my in my group, and Jody said, Jody Moore we'll name drop. (laughs) She said that whatever group you're in is the best group. And she was a hundred percent right with our group. We have the best group and just the most incredible people. So I have Bethany on today because she is the concussion coach. And I have, after one of my son's many concussions, started doing a little concussion research. Um, Definitely know that concussions cause issues with mental health. And knowing that Bethany 
specializes in concussions, I thought we definitely need to have her on to talk about concussions, mental health, all the things. So um, yeah, I love that you do this. I, this is necessary and important because thank you. I think everyone has a concussion from something at some point in their life. I know, right? <laughs> yes. It, I didn't know anything about concussions before I started working at the clinic that I work at. And it blew my mind to realize how impactful it could be. Like it can completely turn a person's life upside down and it's considered a quote unquote mild traumatic brain injury. So it is, it's, yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> and I really, think- I, I think it's really important to talk about. And I, I think that most people think of like the major concussions, the blackouts, the knockouts or whatever as being big, but it can be depending on, you know, when and where or how it was done. It can be pretty significant, even if you don't really even, you know, remember even hitting your head. Yeah. So. And you don't even have to hit your head to get a concussion, which is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. So like it can, it can happen just from your brain being jostled around inside your skull. Um, so if like whiplash or a quick, mm-hmm. if your body stops moving and your brain hasn't stopped moving yet, it that can do it. So yes, it can, it can last. And the, the severity, quote unquote, severity of the mild concussion, mild TBI uh, doesn't impact whether or not you have lingering symptoms. It can it can happen even if it's a, a small hit to the head, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be one where, like you said, where you've been knocked out completely. Yeah. That was the, that was the thing that kind of blew my mind when I realized that the brain can keep moving. And so mm-hmm. even like the skull that's meant to protect the brain, which, you know, does a pretty good job. We'd be worse off yeah, without it, it <laughs> is what can cause the concussion. Like you'll, it'll, it'll hit the skull, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was that, that was very crazy. When it comes to, I guess, symptoms of a concussion, or I guess my question is any, are we thinking about like any kind of neck trauma, head trauma? Like what are some things to really consider? Like I probably have a concussion from this. Does that make sense? Because like I was just saying, I think a lot of people only think you have to have like been significantly like sea stars or, you know, knocked out or even just kind of feel a bonk to the head. Like what, what really should we be looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a concussion, like we said, is just when your your head gets jostled around inside or you've had a hit to the head. Um, and what happens is the, the tiny blood vessels in your brain get impacted. And so then areas of your brain are not getting the blood flow that they are used to getting and that they need to get to effectively function. So if you've had a concussion, there are things that you may experience initially and hopefully they'll go away. I think most of the time people do heal from concussions on their own. Um, but if it can turn into what they call post-concussion syndrome or post-concussion symptoms, where you have lingering things that last typically beyond three months, I think is generally okay. so it's, beyond it's three, three months, months and you're kinda... still, mm-hmm. okay. then it's, then it's classified as post-concussion syndrome. And so at that point, um, there are there are things that you can be doing, but initially, um, I think your question was about what to be looking for. Um, symptoms that people might experience is, you know, headaches. <laughs> That's like, I think a classic one that people would think to look for. Headaches or uh, dizziness, nausea, um, vision concerns, like not being able to look far away and back again, and you might feel dizzy from doing that, or reading could be difficult all of a sudden, it either gives you a headache or you can't follow the line on the page. Um, 
or you can't remember what you read, <laughs> or it just makes you super tired. The fatigue piece, almost doing anything can make you really, really tired because your brain isn't functioning properly. And it's mm -hmm. the brain is amazing. Basically what it does <laughs> with a concussion is since the normal pathways aren't working properly, it figures out other pathways to still get the same task done, but it's very circuitous and not efficient. And so basically you're using other areas of the brain to accomplish the same task that the, the other areas should be doing. And so it's just really, really inefficient and lots of symptoms can happen from it and you just get exhausted. So things that used to not be tiring at all are all of a sudden totally exhausting. Yeah, I could, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going on all the symptoms? No, There's a lot, I a think, lot of things to look well, for. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's, well, and so I guess like what you said, so if we're, if somebody, you know, hits their head, they have some headaches, some, you know, symptoms for a while, but if they go away at that point, you kind of know you're okay. Or is it, so is it kind of like you need to get to that three month and if it's still just getting bad or even getting worse, do they tend to get worse sometimes? Does that make, They like, can get worse. The, it can okay. be, so- yeah, it can be. It's crazy because sometimes people will not even realize they might not experience symptoms for a while. Like you can go for a little while and then all of a sudden start having symptoms show up. And so it sometimes can be confusing and not easily linked to the concussion. Like you can you can start having all these things that people might not recognize as concussion symptoms. Um, that are coming far enough after that it doesn't automatically, you don't automatically <clears throat> associate it with having had the concussion. But as far as like when you do first have the concussion, there are things that you can do and should do, I think. Um, but, and then again, once it, if you're still having symptoms showing up or continuing after three months, then there's more treatment, more help that you can be getting. Um, but initially I would say a good thing to do would be to get checked out by a concussion specialist, somebody who knows concussions um, knows what to look for with the vestibular system, the visual system. Um, they'll ask the right questions and they can kind of establish a baseline for where you're at so that, again, if, it, if they do continue and uh, symptoms don't go away, then when you see another doctor or whatever, they can go back and say, okay, this is where you were at right after the concussion. Okay. So that can be really helpful. And just kind of taking it easy for a day or two after is, is helpful and important. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Like right after, you know, something like that, the best thing to do would be take it easy. And by take it easy, I actually had a, a conversation with somebody the other day and they were told to just take it easy and figured, okay, I'll be out for a week or maybe two and then I'll be fine. And it, it was not the case. That was not the case for them. But by take it easy, they were like, okay, I'll just lay down and watch TV and read books and do stuff. And we mean take it easy on your brain. So screens can be really challenging for people yeah. who have concussions. So I would not recommend sitting and watching TV all day or, um, and reading again, reading can, can cause problems. So don't do a ton of that necessarily, like take it easy physically and, and sense sensorily is that a word I, know. <laughs> so, like, sensorily. I, know. I like that word <laughs> if it's not real it should be right okay <laughs> thank you um, but basically kind of uh, like here's the thing that I want to be careful of sometimes people are told avoid stimulation don't don't look at screens don't get in bright light don't be near loud noises just kind of hide away in a dark room and that's what you need to do and that can be helpful again for the first little bit like a day or two, but you want to be, you want your brain to have simulation to 
and physical activity can be really helpful. Again, if you're just starting back doing like a, a walk even could be good, but like getting your heart rate going and doing things is the way to recover. And sometimes people, whether they were told specifically to do this or they just interpret it this way, sometimes people will just stay in a dark room with sunglasses on and headphones, like headphones on um, or earplugs in for months or more because it's mm-hmm. so painful and overstimulating to be in normal environments. And so uh, like isolating yourself like that is not helpful for your brain and body healing or for your mental health as I'm Ooh, sure yes. people can imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so don't yes. do it for a long time, but for the first little bit afterwards, if that's what you need to do, that's a helpful thing to do. What you just said makes perfect sense. Cause even, you know, after some sort of a surgery or anything, people are told, take it easy. But then if you just like, you know, you get a knee replacement and then you just never use that leg, you're never yes. going to get your mobility back. And it feels like that would be a similar thing. Like now you need to start using exactly. the brain. And yeah, like I talked about on other podcasts about how going for a walk and just the way that the eyes are scanning is helping mm-hmm. the brain. So I'd imagine yep. that even just walking, then your body's moving, blood's flowing, the eyes are connected to the brain really well. So yes. yeah, this all makes a lot of sense. I like that. <laughs> yes. I like that. Exactly right. So yeah, I think that's really good. So then when you talked about post-concussion, did you, was it syndrome or post-concussion? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. then that's something that's going to be like three months down the road, you still have symptoms. What, what are those symptoms that you're looking for? Like what kind of things then when you're like, okay, this is more severe than, you know, a bonk on the head that now I've, after re- resting a little bit is feeling better. Like what, what are you looking for with that one? Yeah. Great question. And so some of them are similar, like that we mentioned before the headaches, um, the dizziness, the nausea, um, the, there are different systems in our brain that can be affected that, that are underlying and impact everything like the, the visual system, um, Mm -hmm. and the vestibular system. So you can, like we said before, you can get those headaches and they can, they can be associated with reading or, um, doing physical activities. You, a lot of people have issues with sleep, whether that's getting to sleep or staying asleep. And there's some, there's so many things I'm going to, I'm going to share with you a list of these symptoms and some of them might surprise you at least. I mean, you've done some research on it, so it might not surprise you, but mm-hmm. they surprised me when I first heard about it. And I, I hear people say all the time, like, I had no idea this could be associated with a concussion. Um, and I feel very passionately about getting this information out to people. So thank you for this opportunity because people need to know. So it can affect sleep. It can have headaches. It can affect your focus and attention. Um, So people who never had ADHD before might be feeling like they have ADHD all of a sudden. They have a really hard time concentrating. Um, it It can bring on depression and anxiety and increased irritability. Um, Some people cry all the time and some people don't cry ever. Like they are like, Mm -hmm. they, they have a totally flat affect. So either like more emotion than usual or almost no emotion at all. Um, It can impact, like we said before, the reading and the visual system, um, your light and noise sensitivity. Uh, Little things can start, can set you off, can like feel too overwhelming or overstimulating or, you can, like I said, you can get really frustrated and irritated by things that normally wouldn't bother you. And, and if you take a step back and realize, oh, actually it's that, that sound that, or the, the tone of my dog's whining or the yeah. beeping that's going on in the background that all of a sudden I'm aware of those kinds of things can just set you off. Um, brain fog, 
is a big thing. Just not feeling like you have mental clarity, uh, balance can be impacted. And sometimes people who come into the clinic don't realize how bad their balance is. Like they're like, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit unsteady, but then oh, they do actual balance tests and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, wow. Um, word retrieval is a huge one. Not being able to come up with the word they're trying to think of. Um, memory issues and especially working memory, like the kind of the short term, like I'm doing something and I need to apply it over here and I can't remember what it was from just a minute ago. Um, and then, like we said before, the fatigue aspect. And uh, I guess this isn't necessarily a symptom, but it's something that gets impacted severely. And that's the social life. So people, because of all of this stuff, they're feeling so overwhelmed, so overstimulated, so tired that going to a grocery store can be the idea of going can just be totally overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> all the I'm lights, just all the, the lights and the sounds and the things the like that at a grocery store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that for well, sure. And the decision making too. Like that's like the executive function <laughs> piece is really hard. So di- making people talk about having to pack for a trip and it taking three hours, whereas before it might have taken 30 minutes. Like, yeah, making decisions, trying to uh, problem solve, all of that can just be really, really challenging and very disconcerting because again, they, people don't feel like themselves anymore. <laughs> like I've yeah. lost who I was, what is happening? Yeah. And everything you said pretty much like leads to what would have been my next question is how do concussions affect mental health? And I'm like, well, that's how they affect mental health. Like when you're like, <laughs> yes. I, I, like I used to be able to do this or why is this so hard all of a sudden? And, you know, mm-hmm. not feeling like yourself, personality changes, you know, in my mind, I kind of went to like, you get a concussion and then like, it's like, boom, you have anxiety, but like, you're just going to have anxiety about, I mean, going to the grocery yes. store or <laughs> any of those other things, you know, making decisions, decision fatigue is already a thing for so many people. If all of mm-hmm. a sudden your brain's just like, no, thank you. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I can yeah. definitely see how that would lead to a lot of, one of the, um, there's a person that I follow on Instagram. I'll I'll plug her too, just because her her concussion, she talks about her concussion journey a lot. Her name is Melissa Urban. She was the creator of The Whole 30. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, cool. But she had a concussion in, she talks about it was like three years ago and talks about all of her concussion syndromes. And that was one of the things is she was just like, my personality changed. And that was hard Mm -hmm. as like a public figure to just suddenly not feel like yourself. I can see that being so hard. But it was interesting as you were like also naming those. I'm like, huh. <laughs> like, like, is, that, is that because of my ADHD or is that? So I did in the fall, no, not fall, in the spring of 2022, I had a, I, I, I had a, I hit my head. No, it was a concussion. There's no question. I had a concussion. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like the week of my father-in-law's funeral. And so there wasn't a whole lot of like downtime recovery. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of have always wondered because it was, you know, about like kind of going into that fall and everything that everything just really started to feel worse than before. So I felt like my mental health was tenuous. And then after that, it felt like the ways I'd learned to manage, the ways I'd learned to function and do things were like gone. (laughs) That's really, really interesting. And Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it can absolutely, (laughs) anything that was hard already is just magnified because you have so much less capacity to handle things. So that makes a lot of sense that that would, that could definitely impact it. Um, So before when you were saying that the brain is, is awesome because it, you know, kind of learns to be efficient, 
does it like is there like a known pathway that the brain functions or is it just kind of like oh let's try here like is it does that make sense like does it all kind of go all to like the prefrontal well if it all went to the prefrontal cortex we'd be doing fantastic so that's wrong does is there like a, a kind of a path like a common pathway that you see happening when the when the brain is like let's let's try to be more efficient or does it mm-hmm. just I mean, we're saying the brain is awesome, so I can't imagine it just guessing, but yeah, yes. you're, you're the specialist. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> no, those are really good questions. Um, so the brain actually is, what with the concussion stuff, like I was saying, it doesn't, it's, it actually goes to very inefficient pathways, um, but okay. it's just because it's trying to get it done. It's, it's still trying to accomplish the task, even if it's inefficient. Um, and then we can get stuck in those inefficient patterns. And um, I the clinic that I work at does, um, they call it FNCI and it's, it's kind of a, a functional MRI basically. Um, but it's specific for them. They do, it's, they are, it's so cool. So it's called, it's called cognitive ethics and it's in like an, the letter F and the letter X it's in Provo, Utah. And they do, they're the only ones who do exactly what they do. And they have a special testing that they do and they have, they can look at the brain scans. And so they know, I, I can't tell you exactly what it looks like, but, um, and every brain is slightly different, obviously. And so, but there are patterns to, Mm -hmm. uh, to what concussion brains look like and the way that they function versus, uh, typical brains or like pre-concussion, whatever brains. So, um, I don't know that there's a specific pathway, um, that it necessarily goes to, but it just kind of, goes where it can to make it happen. To make and it work. I think there, yeah, I think there and are patterns that happen. So then that kind of made me think of another question, which would be, so when, does it matter? I think I can answer this question, but I really, I'm curious. Does it matter where you were hit? You know, so like, or where, you know, like you were even saying not even hit. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, if you have whiplash, your brain's going to hit forward. That's prefrontal cortex and, you know, maybe even back. Mm-hmm. So like, are there certain parts of the brain that are definitely going to show up more if they, you know, if that they have, that's where the concussion is. Um, mm-hmm. or is it pretty much all, you know, no matter where you like, cause every part of the brain has a different function, right. but you know, does that make sense? Like, is it like, there's yeah. a certain place you can bonk your head and be like, eh, you'll be fine. But other ones, it's like, <laughs> we really got to watch out for that one. That's a good question and funny. Yes. There are like, if you get hit in a specific place then sometimes people will have more pain in that place or they, yeah, you know, if the visual system if they got a direct hit to the back of their head, the that might be more yeah. of a concern. Yeah. So there's, there's different, um, yeah, every, every concussion is going to be unique and it does mm-hmm. depend on, on where they got hit. But there are, like I said, there are kind of global patterns that happen uh, with a concussion and depending on which area of the brain was most effective, affected, that will be yeah. more, that will, it will change what the, concussion looks like for that person. Yeah. Um, But there are definitely overall patterns. Um, And something that, that you brought up before and that I, I think I should have, I should mention for sure is that, you know, the mental health piece, like, of course we're going to have anxiety. I don't feel like myself going to a store is going to hurt. Like that is part of it. Um, But also uh, our nervous system gets dysregulated and we can have like, it's dysautonomia is, that, that dysregulation of the nervous Mm -hmm. system. And that I think is something that doesn't get talked about a lot and is really important to be aware of that you can feel all of a sudden you can just feel anxious for no reason. It's your, your body, your brain is, your nervous system is picking up on something and 
viewing it as dangerous and ramping up into that fight or flight, like action mode. <laughs> and so, yeah. so that can really kind of underlie all of this as well is your, your nervous system just isn't functioning like it used to. And that takes awareness and practice to re-regulate. It is possible. And that's something I also want to just throw out here as well. Um, that I think is really important for people to understand that this, sometimes people are told, well, sorry, this is your new normal. <laughs> like you've yeah. been dealing with this for six months. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. This is kind of just get used to it, but mm-hmm. that's not, that's not true. There are things you can do to heal your brain and to, to work towards improvement. And it's, it's really important for people to know that I think. Okay. That actually leads me kind of into where I wanted to talk before, because that was the other thing. Like I read a book once and it was like, if you hit your head when you were three, you're going to have this. If you, you know, and I'm just like, okay, so we're all in trouble. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like every little kid bonks their head. Every, my oldest son had what I called the perpetual forehead bruise from the time he like started moving, which is, you know, crawling. Right. <laughs> just running into things. And I'm like, well, I guess it's up for him. So knowing that there is something you can do, which I think is really cool. So um, yeah, I'd heard that there's, you know, like, well, first of all, you said a concussion specialist. Is that usually a neurologist as far as like a physician? Is there, is it a neurologist? Like, how do you go about finding a concussion specialist? Because most people will go to an emergency room and I have very much respect for ER docs because they are dealing with all of it. All of the things. Yep. <laughs> all of the things. But, you know, they're probably going to be the ones that are like, yep, it's a concussion. You know, go home, lie down, be in the dark. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. they refer you to somebody. But yeah, so are all neurologists going to be concussion specialists or is it better to find like an o- occupational therapist that deals with concussions? Like what what is the best path to go if you have a concussion or, you know, yes. suspect a concussion? That's a really, really good question. Um, I would say, like, do a Google search for concussion specialists in yes. your area. And that can be, I mean, there are some chiropractors who do this kind of stuff and know and have, like, know the protocols to to do research on. There are people, you know, there are occupational therapists, physical therapists. Um, there, are, there are speech therapists who focus on concussions. And I don't know, um, there are a lot of concussion clinics out there, too, um, mm-hmm. that you can look up. So... Um, and neurologists, some neurologists do know concussions well, and some neurologists don't. Again, I just, I hear stories from so many patients who come in and they're like, my neurologist told me this, and it doesn't yeah. seem to fit with what we know. <laughs> so, um, so I would say, try to find somebody who does focus on concussions specifically. And I would throw out there too, athletic trainers are probably also very qualified to look at this. Yes. (laughs) I would really hope so because that's the thing that just, you know, um, yeah, blows my mind because, yeah, again, back in the day, football players, it was like, oh, you got your bell rung pretty bad. Get back out there. And now, you know, when my boys played soccer, if they headed the ball before the age of, I want to say 14, they were pulled out of the game. Really? really? <laughs> yeah. Like it just heading the ball, which I, I remember thinking, is that, can that be really just a little softball? Right. But I have heard that, yeah. And, you know, with the young brains, it really can. Mm-hmm. So I like that, yeah. you know, they are taking those precautions to take care of young, young skulls, young brains now, which is really cool. So that's good. This then leads me. So I asked about the specialist. So as a neurological occupational therapist as you are, what are some of the things that you do to help people 
recover from concussions. Cause I really want to believe there is something you can do because <laughs> yeah, I just, I struggle to be like, mm, sorry, that's it for you. And, and also the nervous system regulation. That's the other one that mm. like, you know, to just be like, well, I just feel like, you know, a lion's chasing me all the time. Oh, well, that's no way to live. <laughs> you know, we can't live yes. that way. So it's got, you know, I, I, I really want to believe there's something we can do. So I love that there's people like you that do this. So as a neurological <laughs> occupational therapist, what are the things that you do for this? Yeah. Oh, such a great question. Um, and yes, there are things that you can do. Even I, we, at this clinic that I work at, we see people who've had concussions and have been dealing with symptoms for 20 plus years. Like it, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, you can still have improvement. So I just want to throw that out there too. There is a lot of hope. Um, hey, I love that and, word. Yes, it's a good word. Um, and there are a few things. There's a lot of things, obviously, but um, some of the the key things that I would, well, okay. I feel there there are some things that we can talk about. And then there's like the the clinic, again, the clinic that I work at, I'm, I am a huge proponent of them. If you are dealing with major issues that you've had for a really long time, I would 100% call, call them and do their, they have a free consultation. And um, the, the program there is so good. And they're constantly working like to improve. I've worked there for over six years. And from when I started to where it is now, it's totally, it not totally different, but like the, the core is the same, but they've added things that are just really, really helpful for people. And they're constantly looking to improve. So um, I would totally check them out if that is something that you are concerned about. And it's like that program is uh, one to two weeks of like eight to five therapies and rest breaks and things like that. And it's really, um, really powerful and really does a lot to reset the brain. It's kind of like going to the doctor, they like reset the bone and mm -hmm. then you continue healing from them. So it can really like help people get on the path to recovery. Um, and you said the name of that clinic, but let's say, say it again. Yeah. Cognitive <laughs> FX. Cognitive <laughs> FX. Okay. CognitiveFXUSA.com is their website and okay. they have amazing testimonials and an amazing blog with awesome, like such a good resource. If you have any questions about this, I was looking up like depression and, and concussions on the, their blog and they've got lots of good articles. So I would totally recommend people check them out. Um, and that's for like, that, that will be really, really helpful. And some of, and a lot of the things that I do with people and that I is stuff that I've learned through them. Um, but here are some general uh, kind of principles that things that help to improve, uh, to help with that recovery from a concussion. Mm -hmm. um, so one one that is really important, and I think um, this is something that whether you've recently had a concussion or you're dealing with symptoms or you're you've had treatment and you're on the recovery side of it, uh, this is really important, and that's knowing listening to your body, getting familiar with your body, and creating some kind of like gauge system, basically like recognizing what symptoms are uh, telling you, like there usually people have a point where they can't do anymore. Like, and mm -hmm. there's often a symptom that they feel coming on that kind of is a trigger, a warning to them that yeah. I'm about to be totally done. And so knowing what that is and <laughs> knowing what, what it feels like when you're in like the, the, that red zone of like, nope, I, I'm not doing anything else. What does that feel like? And then knowing, okay, if I'm doing okay and I'm feeling all right, but I am starting to get symptoms, what does that feel like versus what is totally okay feel like? So just being yeah. really aware of that physical and mental, emotional state is really important. Um, 
because then you can take rest breaks to before you get to that further stage that, where you have to shut down. Yeah. Um, so being aware of your body and listening to it and letting, giving yourself the permission to take care of yourself. That's something that's really hard for a lot of people as they just want to push through or they just want to do this thing or they don't want to miss out on this thing or they feel bad because their friends are going to be upset that they've missed this. Right. Yeah. So they, they push themselves beyond what they, what their body is willing and able to let them do. And then they pay for it for a really long time. So getting familiar with your body and your brain and your nervous system states and taking the time before it gets really bad to, to rest and take care of yourself is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and really, really, really important. Um, and I think something that can help, oh man, I'm like, I have so many thoughts. I'm like, okay, we're focusing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, I love it. When it's something you know a lot about and you're passionate about, you're like, okay, wait, how do I, (laughs) you want to share it all? Exactly. Tell everything to everybody. Um, so yeah, being aware of where you're at and taking care of yourself and taking those breast breaks just as another like side note, but it is applicable people often want to know what to do to get better. And we have lots of things to do to get better that we can tell you. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but the rest, the recovery, the like giving your brain a chance to de-stimulate and just recover is key to those doing activities being effective. And since it feels like not doing when you're resting, people tend to just shove that one aside, but it really like, it creates the space for all of the things that you're doing to take effect. And so it really is really important. So if you have a concussion, I'm begging you to take care of yourself. Well, and when you way. said destimulate, I have to like throw this out as the mother of teens. They think that means I'll just get on my phone and play a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. It probably means not the screens, I'm guessing. Yes. I'm, I'm just usually gonna, I'm guessing not the screens. And I'm actually curious too, because whenever I want my kids off the screens, I tell them to read because I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I'm like, go grab a book and read. But that is that also kind of a little too stimulating? Or I guess I'm very curious how we advise, you know, ourselves, because let's be honest, it's probably ourselves we have to regulate. But, you know, again, yes. I know there's a lot of mothers, you know, I've actually talked to quite a few moms of football players and, you know, soccer players and everything that are like, you know, they said they're supposed to rest. So they're like, oh God, I'll just watch my phone. You know, exactly. They don't, yes. they don't know how to rest without it. <laughs> and so I'm curious <laughs> to know, what can we tell them to do? That is a really good question. So sometimes um, reading, it depends, it depends on where you're at. If reading causes more symptoms for you, I would not recommend that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't, then that can be a very like calming, like if you can get into a flow with it, right. And it helps you to to relax, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I would say pay attention to your body. Um, generally, doing something on a screen is not going to be relaxing yes. um, and destimulating. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but there are there's an app on phones as I know on the iPhone it's called Thirty Five Binaural Beats. I believe that is called. It's brain waves, um, mm-hmm. and there's some on the uh, yeah on Androids as well. But if you do, if you can download that, I mean that's on a phone, but you're not watching the screen. Yeah, um, you have to have headphones for it, but it can help. That like kind of forces your brain to 
yeah. to de-stimulate. Um, so a, that can I'm be effective. I'm a big fan of binaural beats. Like awesome. big fan. So, and yeah, I've seen the, I've seen the effects in like real time with my daughter. She couldn't sleep one night, just like overstimulated. She put in headphones, like she came in the morning. She's like, I didn't even sleep. Put on my headphones and turn on binaural beats. And like, I just watched her just like, <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. she's like, that's amazing. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. So that's, that's good to know. Cause I guess that's it. Yeah. Like, they also also always want to have headphones in and you know be listening to something. So I think if I could just you know try this, that that yes. would be nice. Okay. <laughs> that might be something that they can do. Also, just you know, being bringing things to the present moment is a really helpful way to de-stimulate. It's kind of that mindfulness piece where you're like, okay, what can I see in my environment right now? What can I? You can go through your five senses. Like, what can mm-hmm. I taste? What is? What am I smelling? What am I hearing? And just like being present helps you to to calm the system down. Okay. That's a good, that's a good, that's really helpful too. Cause I think that's one of the things we also live in a really go, go, go society. So telling people to rest, they almost don't know how. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I remember coming home from class in college and I could just, I'd lie on my couch, my bed and look out my window at the mountain and like, no one would ever do that now. There's too many other things to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I don't do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And I like that you mentioned the mountain because nature can be really helpful as well. Just going out on a walk in nature and being there, you know, notice the sounds, the sights, the the breeze, right? Like Mm -hmm. being present in nature can be really helpful. Um, And this is maybe a little bit of a side note, um, but not entirely. When we're talking about destimulation and regulating the nervous system there are some there are five kind of core pillars and i got these from leah davidson i don't know if you've heard of her or not but she's mm-hmm. really awesome <laughs> i really yeah. love her i actually just listened doing. to your podcast with her and then jody's podcast with her and i'm now like because awesome. i'm very like yeah again my nervous system is kind of likes to go into overdrive so i'm like okay i need to do that her course like let's her, go yes that's yes, amazing i love course i'm in it and i'm loving it loving it loving everything that i'm learning but she talks about these five core pillars that are kind of foundational for mental and emotional and physical health and i just throw them out there and then i can get back to some of those other things to mm-hmm. recover from a head, a head injury um but um those are sleep which again can be challenging with people who've had a concussion but sleep is really important um sunlight so getting five to 30 minutes of sunlight, you know, as soon as you can in the morning and then again at dusk can be really helpful to establish that circadian rhythm and is good for our, our bodies and our psyche. Um, movement, so regular exercise, and we'll talk about some specific movements that are helpful for concussion. Um, and then nutrition and hydration, always important, and relationships. So relationship with yourself, with other people, and with your higher power. Those are those are really important just generally for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but can be really key to having a regulated nervous system. And uh, and there there's always ways that we can improve in all of those. Um, but knowing that those are like key foundational, if any of them is like super out of whack, you want to focus on that before you try doing all this other stuff because yeah, it's foundational. <laughs> so. I love that. that. That Those are, yeah, those are awesome. That's great. It's good information. So just throwing that out there. Um, but on the on the topic of things that we can do to help with uh, healing from concussions, something that has been really interesting and surprising and kind of more recently implemented at the clinic that I work at is um, essentially high intensity interval training. Oh. Um, so high intensity intervals, it's 
It's super interesting because, and the way that they do it at, at the clinic is maybe a little bit different, but uh, then they do it, you know, the YouTube videos that you can look up. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the general idea is you want to get your nervous system or you want to get your system up and running, right? Like you want to get your heart rate high and then you want to stop and let it calm down. And that process is, you know, it's good for your cardio, but it's also really helpful for your nervous system because it shows your nervous system. This is what it feels like to be anxious. Like it feels similar to being anxious, right? It's like your mm -hmm. heart rate is up, your blood is pumping, you're breathing hard, all of that stuff is happening. And then you do breathing techniques and you, you calm the system down and it's training your nervous system to be able to do that, which is really, really cool. And people that I talk to, um, who've done like, who do that and have learned how to do it. And they say that it makes a huge difference. People who've had concussions, it can really help with decreasing brain fog and like have more mental clarity and just decreasing symptoms. So doing that can be really helpful. Um, so that's one. <laughs> um, and then generally like another, just kind of generalized thing is doing multisensory activities where you're engaging your eyes and your ears and your body. And when I say body, it means, I mean, using your body in a way that forces your brain to pay attention to what your body is doing. So doing something while you're balancing or like doing something that's challenging your balance while you're doing something with your eyes and your ears at the same time, um, or using your non-dominant hand to do things or doing things slightly differently than you normally do. Cause our bodies, <laughs> our brains like to establish habits. And so if you're doing something, you know, walking sideways instead of forwards, like your brain's like, wait, what's happening right now? So doing things like that can be really helpful. Um, yeah. and Life will give you a lot of those kinds of multisensory experiences, especially mm -hmm. children. They give their great therapists. <laughs> they will give you all of the the noise and the light and the all mm -hmm. the stimulation that you need. But um, they, but doing those things, especially after you've done the work to help reestablish those proper pathways, can yeah. be reinforcing of the good that you've done for your brain. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That sounds. Th those are. I, I didn't, it, you know, based on just a little bit that I know that makes sense, but I really like the high intensity part. Cause it, I think it just makes it, you know, kind of you telling your nervous system, you're the boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, yes, that's just what I got exactly. out of that. Like, like you can't I can experience it. It's not the end of the world. It's going to be, and okay. then I can and sit down do. instead of yeah. just kind of letting it just run wild, like a toddler with the Sharpie. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I like that. That's one of my favorite analogies too. the toddler with the Sharpie. I love that. <laughs> it's <a> terrifying, terrifying <laughs> thing, but yes, <laughs> it is really a great analogy. Um, so, can I throw something else out there? Actually, yes, please. With destimulation stuff, something else that is kind of that I've learned about that is really, really cool to me um, is breathing. <clears throat> and like there, you know, when you eat, when we breathe in, that simulates the sympathetic nervous system, which is that activated like hyper aroused mm -hmm. system. Um, and when we breathe out, that stimulates the parasympathetic, which is more of that like rest and digest, the calming system. Mm -hmm. And they're both, we, we need all of it. But knowing that we, if we breathe in and we are having like, we take in lots of quick or um, rapid in breaths, like inhales, mm -hmm. that stimulates that system that kind of wakes us up. That's why, you know, if we're nervous, it's like, <gasps> right, <laughs> we, we yeah. naturally do that. And if we're calm and relaxed, um, we have a longer exhale. It's like a deep, a deep breath in and then a deep, like a longer breath out that helps to calm the system. And so you can use your breath to, to activate or, or not deactivate, but like calm down the system. Yeah. 
just really powerful and, and practicing it um, in moments when you don't need it is the way to uh, master that skill. But it is really, really powerful and really interesting to me. Um, yeah. There's one in particular uh, that has been shown to be very effective, which is called the physiological sigh, which is where you do two, you've heard of it. Yeah, I see you nodding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do two in-breaths and then a long out-breath through your mouth. So two in-breaths through your nose and then long one out through your mouth. And doing that can really, again, help calm the system down. And um, it's it's powerful stuff. It's yeah, good. I like that. Well, and it's like when I was doing, you know, yoga and breath training, that's, you know, you focus on like you breathe out longer than you breathe in. It'll like breathe in four, hold two, out six, you know, like yes. so that that and that makes perfect sense now that that exhale is really what's calming the body, you know, bringing you into that parasympathetic nervous system, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of love it when like something you've learned is now is then like explained by science. You're like, oh, that's why we do that. <laughs> yes, that's what I feel like with this class from Leah Davidson. Every she's bringing all these things in that I've like I've heard here, I've heard here, and she's just putting it all together. I'm like, oh, it all makes sense. It all comes together. It's really, yeah, really good. <laughs> that's so cool. So then also you are a life coach, and so you're the concussion coach. So with your um, life coach concussion coach clients, what kind of work do you do with them there? Cause I know, you know, the thought work and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I guess I'm just really curious mm -hmm. to know, cause it sounds so brilliant because <laughs> not only are you that, you know, we deal with the physical issues of a concussion, but obviously you've got the mental issues and that has to be dealt with in some ways too. So I, I'm very curious when you have your concussion coaching clients, how, mm -hmm. how do you coach them? How does that go? Yes. <laughs> Thanks for asking. It's a great question. So we, there are things and some of them we've talked about already, but things that I do to really try to help, help the person understand what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. um, and again, with this information that I've been learning from Leah, like really establishing, uh, getting familiar with your own nervous system and understanding what's happening there and what to do to establish safety, like to tell your brain and your nervous system, it's okay. We're not in danger. And because that's the problem there, it's sensing danger and kind of going all over the place. So we want to, we work on ways to destimulate, ways to bring your nervous system uh, down to get more regulated. Um, and, and we talk about, you know, that gauge system to recognize when your body needs rest. Um, and an important part too, with the nervous system regulation is when we're, when we're regulated, then we have access to our higher thinking brain mm -hmm. and we can do the thought work but when we're activated or super low and like depressed and we, we lose access to that we don't think clearly we're not able to uh to necessarily get a lot of as much benefit out of running models and things like that as uh as we would if we were yeah. regulated so yeah so that's really key we want to i want to teach people about their nervous system and how to handle that um and then and then yeah then the i guess I should define what running models means. I don't know if your listeners are all. <laughs> I know. I was actually going to say, I can't like, remember oh. if I've mentioned them episodes before. Um, right. I, I think I just, mm, a couple episodes ago, I went through just like the C line, just, you know, just started mm, with yes. kind of breaking it down. But yes, I we can definitely talk about what the model is because it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So yeah, the model is 
the Brooke Castillo came up with it. It's it's very similar to cognitive behavioral theory. There's a lot of things. It's basically truth, <laughs> but I mm-hmm. like the way that she packages it and she calls it the model. It's the one that Jody Moore uses. There's a lot of life coaches now who use um, this way of teaching thought mm-hmm. work, basically. Um, so yeah, so that is... It's, it's been interesting because when I very first started, I was like, oh, I know the model. It solves all the problems. And then I work with concussion patients who are dysregulated. I'm like, wait, okay, they don't, they're not having access to their thinking brain. So we yeah. need to calm the system down. We need to do this part first. And then we can really teach how do we want to think about this? Because both are key and really, really important. Because like you said, when people are not feeling like themselves and they have all of these, that like a lot of fear and anxiety about, you know, m- not even just can I get to the store today? But if I can't do this, what is my future going to look like? What, like, am I ever going to yeah. get better? Like there's, and there's, there's grief a lot. Like there's a loss of who I was or what I was able to do. And like change it, like it changes everything. And it can yeah. be really, really disconcerting and like, just feel like the rug is just pulled out from under you. And so there's, you know, there's important things to talk about with how we want to frame things, how we want to think about it. And again, always coming back to that, like, I'm okay. And like, loving me, learning how to love yourself where you are. And it's just, there's a lot of the thought work, the mental work, as well as that, you know, the emotional piece and the physical piece It all, it's all applicable. It all comes together here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really, really love doing it. Actually, can I throw out this really fast? Yes. Um, if it's okay to put a plug in for one of my podcast episodes, if anybody's struggling with feeling like their, their life is turned upside down, I did a, an interview with Meg Johnson. Um, and she's, she's a person who's had a spinal cord injury and she, and she's a motivational speaker. She's really, really good at what she does. Mm -hmm. Um, and she talks about that experience of having like learning to love yourself when you don't basically when you're, when you don't feel like yourself anymore, like your whole life has changed. It's yeah. She does a really good job of that. But anyway, no, that's yeah, that's kind of what I focus on as a concussion well, coach. That makes perfect sense because I went through that phase too. Like life coaching to me, I felt like was such a tangible, useful tool because, you know, you go to therapy and you just talk and talk and talk. But then when you can actually like look at your thoughts, question them, it all made perfect sense. But I was so dysregulated that it just, it the way that I tried to explain it is it just felt like it couldn't permeate like this shell that my nervous system had put up. And so I, I mean, I can run models, I could do all the thought work, but I was, there was just a sticking point and I a hundred percent know that that's what it was. And it isn't until, so I really think that that idea of like actually getting to a place where you're more regulated and then, cause even Mm -hmm. like questioning thoughts, you know, or looking at my thoughts or just, just being like, Oh, there it is. Like, that's what that is. It's, you know, not even like, you know, trying to change it was, anxiety ridden. Like, mm-hmm. that's my thought. That's not my <laughs> right. thought. What's happening? You know, like it wasn't, <laughs> it, it just caused way too much. And then it'd be like, you get all the way to the end. So it's, it's, um, circumstances create your thoughts or sorry, your thoughts about the circumstances are what create your emotion basically, or your, and, and then that emotion creates your action or creates an action, which creates a result. How did, did I do that? Yeah, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> emotion. Thoughts, I said emotion. The word they use is feeling, but basically the same thing. And yeah. I would just get to like the result and be like, okay, I guess that's my result. Because it just felt so impossible to even mm-hmm. do anything about it. Like, 
I'm sorry. This is my, this is my thought. This is my feeling. We're stuck. And it just, I felt like I was just stuck in a loop because of that constant state of anxiety. Um, Like when you talked about that feeling, like I remember there being a state where like, it was just clockwork. Like all of a sudden I just felt anxious and there was nothing. And I even remember, well, there's gotta be a thought. There's gotta be a thought creating this anxiety. What's the thought? What's the thought? I couldn't, and I could never find the thought. I'm like, and I do the, you know, I'm okay. I'm safe. Everything's safe. And I couldn't get it to go away. And Mm -hmm. so I definitely feel like this, you know, learning and even just sometimes going my circumstances, I have a concussion and that's creating this anxiety in me, I think could be very powerful to somebody just knowing I have this, you know, physical, you know, I I don't want to call it illness. I don't know what I want to call it. (laughs) Physical impairments. Injury. (laughs) Injury. Injury. (laughs) You know, I like the idea of injury because that sounds recoverable. You know, injury sounds like something that we can, we can do something about. So I, I really, yeah, I like that. So, um, I will make sure that I get that podcast episode and your podcast and this, um, the website to the Provo clinic where you work all in the show notes. so Everybody can see that. Um, one more question. This sounds, um, I'm just curious because another thing that I have talked a lot about is like natural supplements. So you talked about nutrition. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that had come up a lot in in um, concussion recovery was omega-3 fatty acids. Is that anything that you've ever heard about? Is that something that you do talk about or that, you know, the clinic or you t- recommend for people? Because I had heard that that's actually a really good one too for concussion recovery. Yes, I've I've heard that as well. I haven't dived into the... Um the nutrition part of it, but that nutrition definitely plays a part. And the, mm-hmm. I have heard that the omega-3s can be really helpful for brain injury recovery. Um, okay. Yes. So yeah. sorry, I don't have a lot more no, information. No, that's okay. That. It's, well, and, I, <laughs> and it's interesting because that's another one I need to dive into more is nutrition because you hear all the time how much it's helpful with like everything. And it's right. like, what if what I just want is a cupcake? <laughs> really want and there's like all the reasons why that's not good for your brain and your body and your mental health you're like but it will make me feel good now so um yeah I'm just curious if you knew anything more about that but honestly you know I think even just recognizing that it you know even if you don't know when you hit your head or if you hit your head or if it was whiplash even if just recognizing that maybe it's a brain injury like maybe that's what's causing the problem and cool that you can work on it. And I think what's cool is a lot of the things that you talked about are even like, maybe even if it's not a brain injury, this regulating the nervous system, breathing, all of that is still so helpful. And, you know, learning to rest, um, learning to stop and rest. (laughs) And that rest shouldn't necessarily include a screen. (laughs) I know, right? If only, if only we could... It's no oh boy, these teenagers and they will argue with you. You are wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're crazy. And it's like, okay. Okay. You gotta count. The only way they'll learn is for them to be parents. And by then it might be too late, but it's fine. <laughs> so anyway. funny. Can I just can I say a couple things that came up as you were saying that real yes, quick? Absolutely, please. Okay. Um, so one, I love that you pointed out that these things are helpful and true for everybody. And that's something when I first started doing coaching from that. Beeble Masters program that you and I did together where we first met, I like, that was just like, lit me on fire. I was like, coaching is my, my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just felt so called to being a coach. And, but then I didn't know what to do, like what my niche should be. And I started out as a family, like family relationships coach. Cause I really am passionate about helping people with relationships. And then, and then 
it was, it felt like a God thing. <laughs> it was like oh, directed yeah. to doing this concussion coaching. And I was really resistant to it at first. And I think part of it was like, I don't want to get narrowed into this, but the more I do this, the more I'm like, okay, people with concussions are people who have all kinds of things going on. <laughs> like we get to work on all the things, but also the stuff that's helpful for people with concussions is helpful for everybody. So what yeah. I'm learning just really does apply. It really is broadly applicable and helpful. So I love, I love that aspect of, of this stuff. And um, two more really quick things. One, the nutrition piece. Um, if people want more information, I know there is, again, on the blog for Cognitive FX, they have a whole article on nutrition for um, head injuries that could oh, be helpful. Good. And yeah. Yeah. And they have a nutrition coach that works there as well. So I might need to chat with her and learn more myself. Um, but, like and then the last learning thing, everything. I, I want to learn everything. And there's I know. so Me much to too. learn. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, and then the last thing that I think is really helpful, I, I feel like it's helpful and hopefully it'll be helpful for your listeners is when we recognize that our, our nervous system, like Leah talks about, you know, the model is circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And there's kind of a space between circumstances and thoughts, which is our nervous system state. And that nervous system state really impacts the way that we think and the way that we feel like all of the things get, get filtered through that lens of our nervous system. And so that's why we can be like, yeah, I know my thoughts creating this, but I can't stop thinking it <laughs> like, mm -hmm. or like, and, and it, it really is helpful to recognize that as, you know, it's the lens that is uh, physiological. It's not there's not a moral judgment. Like you're not a bad person because you can't drop this thought or you're not like, there's nothing wrong with you because you're feeling anxious all of a sudden and you can't come up with what it is that you're anxious about. Like it's physiological. It's, it's biology. Your body is just doing this because it is sensing, it is sensing danger in some way, whether that, and it, can, it can be from all kinds of things. It can be triggered from some, like seeing something that reminds you of something that is subconscious, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, or it can be, um, there, there are so many different things like cues from other people. Like you're not feeling like things are good between you and you can't even put your finger on it, but there's something yeah. right. Like our system is made to pr protect us and it reacts that way. And it may or may not be accurate. Like it may be reading something into this that may or may not be true. <laughs> um, but regardless, it's releasing the same chemicals into your brain and body. And those need to be processed and addressed and and then you can kind of address the other things and it doesn't, it doesn't take away all of our agency or, you know, ability to make choices, but it really helps to understand that the reason this is so hard is not because I have a moral failing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's physiological. So I think that's important to be. No, I think, well. and I think that's important again for everything, but especially, you know, with mental health, one of the things, the hardest things to deal with is for people to understand your brain is sick there's not something wrong with you. You're not like fundamentally flawed. You're not a bad person. You're not like I hear, you know, people seem to apologize for whatever. And it's like, your brain is sick. And again, you know, that emotional dysregulation, any of that kind of stuff, it's just, and who knows what it's, where it's coming from, why something could have happened to lead you to that. Or maybe that's just what your body does, you know? And it's, so it's, again, it's not a moral failing. It's none of that. It's just your body, your brain is sick. And again, you know, sickness sometimes is chronic and we deal with it, but we deal with it and we work on ways to feel better and get better and do better. But also we maybe just need to even accept like, maybe this is the new normal and I just have to do these things to regulate my nervous system. And maybe I do have to work harder than other people, but 
nobody knows. That's the other thing is nobody really knows what other people's struggles are. And that's the thing about concussions is that it's an invisible injury. It's an invisible, Mm -hmm. you know, so many of these invisible illnesses are really hard for people because, you know, if you've got something, you know, broken arm, broken leg, any of that stuff, people are going to kind of move heaven and earth and help you and let's do this and that for you. But if you have to try to explain it's my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Too. It's exhausting. And so yes. giving yourself that grace that it's just kind of part of things, I think is a really good piece for people to understand with all invisible illnesses. But yeah, I think this information mm-hmm. is so helpful because I really do believe probably everybody has suffered a concussion at some time. I know, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> not even notice what, you know, what side effects it had. And maybe it didn't do much, or maybe it's, you know, kind of still causing some nervous system havoc. So I think this is really helpful information and ways to, to treat that. So thank you so much, Bethany. This is amazing. I'll make sure I put all that information in the show notes so you guys can have it. And um, yeah, any, anything else you want to add, Bethany, before we go? Oh man, I, I love everything that you just said. And thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. I do like, I feel very passionately about this, Um, but yeah, something that you, that you said there at the end, I think a couple of thoughts really fast, just the, the acceptance piece is, it can be so hard. It can be so, so hard. I see it over and over and over again, because it feels like your identity has changed and it's really, really hard. Um, But I've talked to so many people who have told me that, the acceptance of this is where I am right now is the thing that allowed for the healing to begin in for oh, real. Oh, that's good. It's powerful. It's so powerful. Um, Cause and we want to resist like, that. We want to be like, no, we no, want to no, resist not. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. fine. I'm still me. It's everything's fine. Yes. Everything's fine. If I, I don't need to. Yeah. I totally yeah. get and, that. Yeah. And feeling like ex- you think that accepting it means that you're giving up or you're giving in like mm-hmm. that. And that's not what it is. It's, it's okay. This is where I am right now. And then, and then we have a chance to move forward because otherwise we're stuck in a place that we're not <laughs> like, right. Like we, yeah. we think that we should be something else than we are. And then we can't move forward and, and work with what we have. So I think that's really important. And then I love that you address the piece of the inv- invisible injury. Again, something that I talked to, people a lot about and I ask them in my in the interviews that I do with them is like what is um what's something that you've learned from this experience and a lot of times they talk about it being an invisible injury and just how it's helped them to have so much compassion for other people because we really don't ever know what other people are suffering with and it can be yeah it it's seeing that and talking to so many people with this it just it really does make me want to give everybody a free pass. Like, I'm so sorry. You're having such a hard time. Like, and it does, like, it helps me to feel better if I can be like, I'm sorry, you're struggling so much because clearly something's, something's not right there. Like you're, whatever it is, like you're, Mm -hmm. you're feeling unsafe in some way. And that's why you're responding this way. And, and I love you. And I'm sorry, you know, like it just, it allows for so much more compassion for yourself and for others when you can recognize that. Yeah. These inv- invisible injuries are there and it doesn't mean anything bad about that person. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's part and of I the think human existence. That's the other the other key is yeah, compassion and and acceptance are key to really moving forward in any illness, anything in life is just yeah. compassion for yourself and for others and acceptance of yourself and others. That's that's kind of how we are able to just start. So Yes. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And I am so happy that we got to have this conversation. 
and um, we'll, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks so much. It's been really, really wonderful to talk to you today, Wendy. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.